0: Hello and welcome to the Access of Space, Defense, and Security podcast. I'm Omkar Nikam, your host for this episode. In this podcast, we explore the latest developments and trends in the fields of space exploration, defense technology, and national security. Each episode features insightful interviews with experts and industry leaders who share their perspectives on a wide range of topics, including the latest advances in satellite technology, space exploration missions, military defense strategies, cybersecurity, and more. Whether you are a space enthusiast, a military professional, or someone interested in the latest innovation in technology and security, this podcast has something for you. Join us as we dwell into the cutting edge research, breakthroughs that are shaping the future of space defense and security. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to episode 43 and 44 Espionage in the Space Industry and Hybrid Warfare. So today to have a deeper look at this topic, uh, we have one of our returning guests, uh, Harini Madhya Hi Harini, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me again.
0: Yes, thank you very much for giving your precious time. Uh, It is always great to have you on the podcast uh, uh, because uh, your previous two episodes had a good running time, I would say. Uh, (laughs) The listening hours and uh, the amount of listeners has increased actually over the time for this podcast as well so yeah i, I think uh, audience really value your insights and i hope uh, uh, this episode as well will be well received like the previous two and I hope to record more episodes actually in the future with you
1: thank you so much i'm glad uh, it's it's being taken well i hope that i do justice even this even in this episode
0: yes yes definitely uh, so, yeah, without uh, any delay, I believe uh, we can take a direct jump into the topic. Uh, we have seen that espionage in the space industry has is becoming, a, you know, day, day by day, very much common uh, than what it was. Uh, maybe it's because of the communication technology. Uh, but we previously had some guests who described the fact that espionage has been common in the space industry. Uh, by denoting the fact that the cold war actually recorded a lot of espionage cases uh, in the space industry at that time, uh, so from that perspective, as well as you know, the current uh age of warfare that is going on, this question is related to that. So, how has espionage uh, evolved to play a role in the hybrid warfare strategies employed in the space industry?
1: Um, I think, uh I mean taking forward from the previous speaker on espionage I also very strongly believe that espionage has been in the industry since the day the industry has uh, taken its shape because when an industry is surrounded by so much of uh, secrecy then not knowing becomes a challenge so the only means we may resort to could be a a case of espionage right so I think in that sense we may uh, we have seen many and we are expected to see many more cases of espionage the space industry over the years or in the over the decades has also become a very critical domain for uh, strategic operations and for the military's activities so today if we sit if we are observing what happened in Israel probably in the last two months you can understand that they they were extremely dependent on their the military was extremely dependent on their satellite capabilities right and these things yes. play A crucial role in communication, in navigation, reconnaissance, and uh, surveillance capabilities. So, as that has become the dependency increases, the um, interest among states and non state actors uh, on turning towards espionage activities also becomes uh, uh, very relevant. Uh, So espionage today has evolved to play a very significant role in hybrid warfare strategies because there is an increasing importance given to space-based assets for uh, technological superiority, for military capabilities and economic uh, capabilities. In the context of... um, Hybrid warfare strategies, especially espionage in the space industry, is often integrated with other forms of warfare, such as cyber warfare, information operations, and unconventional tactics. And this integration allows adversaries to exploit the vulner- vulnerabilities that the space systems have today, or they probably uh, manipulate the existing systems, manipulate the information from satellite communications, or they end up disrupting enemy operations without you know having to uh, directly resolve resort to active warfare strategies or resorting to direct kinetic attacks so this becomes an easier option for countries i mean countries non-state actors or any individual to take as an option in um, space-based systems
0: interesting and uh, primarily because uh, space assets are actually valuable for intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance Uh, from that perspective how do Uh, different nations leverage space-based intelligence for hybrid warfare and what role does Espenach play in obtaining such critical information through those assets? Uh,
1: The first thing that states use is they utilize satellites to gather critical information on enemy activities. They monitor strategic locations. Most of our space-based capabilities support military operations. So this information provides an important uh, source for decision making for situational awareness, and also gaining an advantage over our adversaries. So this is what we do. Uh, in hi- in utilizing hybrid warfare and how space plays an important role in this planning, espionage plays a significant role in obtaining such critical information as well because it involves a combination of methods to collect intelligence itself. That is, human intelligence, signals intelligence, imagery intelligence, and all these activities will be aimed at acquiring these sensitive data that are already gathered by our intelligence communities, and <clears throat> it will. Look at that from a military capability, intention and vulnerability point of view. So if I know, if we are observing what Hamas did in Israel on October 7th, one of their biggest challenges was that Israel's capabilities were all automated, right? So they found yes. out that vulner, vulnerable, vulnerability and they acted on that. So I think these this is what espionage helps to find out what the vulnerabilities are and act based on that. And in such a scenario, espionage activities are aimed at acquiring, Um, uh, they can target away a wide range of information, right? So one is in terms of technological advancements. If I am observing somebody's um. Uh, Uh, capabilities in the space industry or in any form of uh, our hybrid warfare strategy, first thing we would try to find out is what is their technological capabilities, to what extent are their technological advancements applied in their operation strategies and all of that. And in the space industry, it would be spacecraft design, propulsion systems, satellite communication capabilities, remote sensing capabilities, what are the other new innovations that are happening? All of these are probably being observed. The next one could be based ...based on our strategic plans and policies. Espionage efforts will focus on acquiring classified data... ...related to policies. It will be... it will the, the vulnerability could be in looking at... ...the strategic plans a country has... ...for space exploration and utilization. Sometimes even military applications. The next aspect of... Um, Hybrid warfare in gathering information is about trade secrets and intellectual property. And I think this is something we see espionage in a very large uh, context because trade secrets and intellectual property can easily be sold off um, when it comes to uh, industries, private industries, or even employees within a state uh, space program because they get access to information while being part of the system. And for any kind of a leverage, it, it could uh, be sold. Research and development, uh, espionage could probably also try and assess what is the capability of innovating innovation in somebody's industry, what is the level of experimental data or what is a scientific ba- breakthrough that has been happening in a particular country. And the last one, like I've already emphasized, the security vulnerabilities. Espionage efforts can actually put that uh, focus on identifying the security vulnerabilities in space infrastructure, in cyber infrastructure, in satellite networks, and all of those.
0: Yes, and uh, you know, just to I would say a go step ahead, mm. uh, from several examples that we have observed in the industry, can you share a specific instance where espionage activities have significantly influenced hybrid warfare strategies in the space sector?
1: I think uh, this is an example given to me when I was discussing AI and cybersecurity with one of our professors at NIAS, and he always brings us back to the case study of Stuxnet, Stuxnet computer, uh, computer worm, uh, because that was a, a cyber cybersecurity yes. threat that was on the... Uh, Iranian nuclear program and I think that is a very uh, important case study to understand how espionage works because it was a combined effort by uh, a group of states against another state and it went to the bottom of the vulnerability in the systems and that was somebody using uh, infected pen drive in their system and uh, I think that is one of the classic cases. Another one could be um. The simple uh, example of how major powers like U.S., China, Russia, India—they're all—we're all developing anti-satellite weapons and counter-space capabilities, and how this could have an impact on espionage activities, the trust, the the lack of trust between countries, and also the uh, increasing warfare strategies against each other. I think these are two examples, and. Uh, m- otherwise, there are multiple time periods we can look at when we can see the espionage activities. The first one, we, like we already discussed, the Cold War space race. At that time, you saw multiple levels of espionage uh, between US and USSR simultaneously. The next one, and we'll see this multiple times when we're discussing uh, case studies as well, uh, the Chinese espionage activities, the Russian espionage activities, as well as North Korea's espionage activities, uh, in multiple time periods in the in the history of how we are studying, the next one would be the cyber espionage and space security. Uh, that is another uh, important aspect because space security is also dependent on uh, a very strong cyber security, and I think that this this interlink is always uh, challenged. And I think. Uh, 2007 there is there is an allegation that the chinese anti satellite missile test was done after uh, it was uh, after china collected intelligence on potential vulnerabilities of the communication systems of other satellites. So I think that is another example. The last one is probably the industrial espionage, which we're likely to see much more in the coming years, where you have aerospace companies, you have um, space-based companies, you have other cyber systems that are vulnerable to hybrid warfare uh, Hybrid. Warfare strategies as well as espionage uh, against their innovations.
0: All right. And uh, I would say, you know, going ahead uh, from the perspective of intelligence agencies, because of course they are on the front line to uh, detect and I would say eliminate such kind of threats. So, yes. what challenges from your perspective, uh, what challenges do intelligence agencies face in detecting and preventing espionage activities in the space industry?
1: I think one of the biggest challenges intelligence agencies have is the lack of transparency. Even though yes. uh, intelligence agencies work with each other uh, on a case-by-case basis, it is very sensitive and secretive. In It's a very sensitive and a secretive field. Intelligence agencies, as well as the space uh, groups as well, right? So they all have... Uh, multiple classified data, multiple um, activities that are not revealed to the public. And this lack of transparency makes it difficult for intelligence agencies to even be able to monitor the activities that are going on. And I think that provides one of the biggest challenge. The second one is the sheer complexity of space technologies or other technologies that are utilized in hybrid uh, warfare. Right. Even with cyber, yes. even with um, uh, AI that is coming, we have there are layers of complexities involved, and I think that also makes it a massive challenge for monitoring the activities as well as to keep up with the trends of uh, what is happening in the industry. The next one is a lack of international cooperation, and I don't think that there's there is a very strong cooperation when it comes to peacetime space activities or peaceful activities in outer space but when it comes to military space or military space activities we hardly see any cooperative Uh, initiatives between countries to have uh, probably an understanding of what is happening between their countries or even have access to somebody's ideas. So I think that lack of international cooperation is also a challenge for intelligence uh, communities because then We cannot really understand what is happening there in another country. The next one is cybersecurity threats. Uh, This is a common challenge, but even intelligence agencies uh, face very strong uh, cyber threats. uh, And that could be one of the challenges to them. Um, The challenges to intelligence agencies is also even being able to predict predict a threat that is coming to towards them is uh, has been a challenge insider threats insiders with access to sensitive information they've always there's always been that will always remain a threat in the uh, industry and this the challenge to intelligence agencies would be to probably identify these risks and probably counter them before they cause significant damage. Limited resources, intelligence agencies may not always have the resources. And I think that is something uh, we can work towards once we identify what are the threats we are facing. Uh, the last one is geopolitical tensions. And I feel like this is something that we'll observe uh, in, in, as a trend as well, because during the Cold War, the cases of espionage were higher during uh, the early years of twenty uh, 2000s, we saw the, another peak in the number of espionage cases and we'll probably see another, uh, uh, the newest peak in espionage cases in the industry now because there is a lot of tensions between countries and the uh, levels of trust between countries are low at the, pop, at the moment.
0: Yes. I believe uh, it's really good that you uh, gave such a extensive insight uh, into this question mm. uh and also previously mentioned about stuxnet yes. uh, so i would like to actually mention like how some actions uh, without a knowledgeable intelligence can lead to an adverses adversaries acceleration in some specific uh, technology domain or any any other you know sector so for example with stuxnet uh mm the virus was actually developed uh, by CI in collaboration with Mossad. Yes. Uh, So the thing is, over here, the virus was not fully developed. Yes. Uh, Mossad didn't give a green light to deploy the virus, but it seems even without the knowledge of the higher authority, uh, the CI deployed the virus and uh, the whole point of the Stuxnet virus was uh, that it was targeting the iranian instruments yes next uh, but it should have targeted actually their iranian instruments in iran but then it started targeting instruments which are outside of iran as well but yeah. which had some parts which were made in iran
1: yeah
0: and uh, like maybe a laptop a mobile device or maybe a wi-fi router as well mm-hmm. so what happened was uh, this actually created a backfiring Uh, Mm. on them like iran then carried out a cyber attack and this happened in 2010 Uh, Mm. if you just fast track and see what has happened in past uh, 13 years iran didn't only develop nuclear capabilities they are now stronger in cyber nuclear and in space as well yes so stuxnet uh, more than a curse it came as a blessing for iran yeah Uh, Because it really did show them, uh, like for example, you know, it happened with India. Like, if we didn't uh, actually uh, I would say lost the war with China in 1962, Mm. we wouldn't have won the future wars with Pakistan uh, and other nations, I would say, uh, that we were having political tensions with. Because uh, that loss with China gave us a mirror image. Uh, Like, okay, don't be, uh, I would say, don't be so much naive in not investing defense and security, just invest there. And that's how, you know, we scaled up. So I think Iran also had that experience uh, mm. when Stuxnet wo- uh, was deployed. Yeah, And yeah, we in, in 10 years, we see what has happened. So I think a decision-making, I'd just like to add this point uh, on what Harini said. Uh, decision-making process and the authorities which make the decisions like what happened with Stuxnet is very important because your weapon shouldn't backfire on you at the end of the day so I believe uh, this is also a a huge uh, discussion topic we can possibly create one more episode on how decision making actually works in space defense and security yeah Uh, but yeah just to carry ahead uh, with the topic Uh, As we have just, you know, discussed uh, this example uh, from the security domain, can you give us some examples of espionage in the space industry? Uh,
1: I actually have many examples. Uh, You can cut me off uh, if I take too much time. Uh, No worries, no
0: worries, you can continue. (laughs) So uh, the
1: first one, I mean, the farthest back I could trace to espionage uh, cases is the one in 1985. And it's a private industry espionage case. And I found it very interesting because it was a former employee of the National Reconnaissance Office, NRO. And they were found selling classified information about a reconnaissance satellite to Soviet Union. And I, I found that very interesting. And then we come back to the classic cases that we've seen uh, in the space industry uh, between and we'll see a repetition of China, Russia, North Korea, uh, probably like insiders, insiders selling information. But each case that I've identified has something different that we could uh, take away from it. The first one I found notable was the 1999 espionage case involving China and the US where uh, a US satellite manufacturer, Laurel Space and Communications and Hughes Electronic uh, Cooperation were accused of providing China with sensitive information related to satellite technology. And this is a time we did not see China as a major space power. Right? And the companies were alleged to have shared expertise with China following uh, multiple failures of Chinese rocket launch, and uh, that had destroyed one of their uh, capabilities. So this incident is one of the markers where uh, U.S. started seeing uh, China. As a, a critical uh, ch- challenge to the transfer of technology or to the transfer of sensitive technology, uh, and the impact it may have on the national security. Uh, the next case I've seen is two thousand seven, where again a former Boeing engineer was accused of stealing, stealing sensitive space information with the intent to pass on them pass them on to China. Uh, the one more one other case is the another classic case is uh, a chinese national who was working with boeing he was a boeing engineer and he was convicted in 2009 for passing sensitive information about us space shuttle program to china and later by 2016 uh, they were convicted of economic espionage in 2010 there was a russian national again arrested for attempting to self classified information about us missile defense systems to uh, someone else in 2011 there were these are the early cases of hackers uh, breaching the computer systems of nasa and uh, several other us aerospace companies they were again caught stealing sensitive information on spacecraft and rocket technology In the same year, apparently, Chinese spies were arrested in the US and Canada for attempting to steal advanced military technology from defense contractors. Uh, By 2016, there was another case of hacking. Chinese hackers had gained access to the computer systems of the European Space Agency, and they were seen stealing sensitive information on Galileo satellite navigation system in the same year they were also the chinese hackers were accused of targeting the computer systems of isro trying to steal sensitive information on india's mars orbiter mission um in the case of europe uh, the one important uh, one important case is something involving a french engineer who was convicted of spying for china but again this is not like a proven case another case has been that involving a german intelligence agent who was arrested for spying on the esa for usa and i found this very interesting because we've never we've hardly seen cases of um U- uh, european space agency and usa having this kind of uh mistrust or having to require espionage uh, to gather information. I tried to dig deeper and see if there are cases on our side of the world. Uh, Japan had a case in 2014 where uh, again, Chinese companies were trying to steal. um, Sorry, a former employee of JAXA was trying to steal information from JAXA to sell it to the Chinese companies. Uh, In 2013, Uh, This is the first time I think we're seeing North Korea's military intelligence trying to steal uh, sensitive information. And in 2013, South Korean authorities arrested a group of hackers trying to uh, steal sensitive information on South Korea's defense systems and space technologies. Moving on to the private space industry. We've had multiple cases, especially ones involving Boeing and uh, Lockheed Martin in the late 1990s, where they were accused of engaging in industrial espionage by unlawfully obtaining sensitive information from a competitor, uh, McDonnell Douglas, regarding rocket launch services. Uh, Another prominent case is the involvement of SpaceX. um, when 2009, SpaceX filed a lawsuit against Boeing and Lockheed Martin again for um, alleging that they were engaged in illegal activities, trying to get information of SpaceX through uh, certain contracts. And this case highlighted the intense competition uh, in within the U.S. private space industry. And we're talking about this in 2009, where the focus on private space industry only started recently right Uh, after this we have in 2014 again a Chinese national was arrested in the US for attempting to steal information from um, another aerospace company Uh, in 2019 uh, the European uh, corporation Airbus was targeted by industrial espionage where sensitive information related to Ariane rocket program was uh, stolen and this there was another case involving a German satellite manufacturer OHB system again where their this was targeted by a cyber espionage campaign. The more recent cases I found was in 2001 where uh, a former Blue Origin employee had been working with Virgin Galactic to st- steal trade secrets uh, related to the rocket engine technology. And uh, despite listing out so many, I feel like I may have missed many more cases. So uh, if you had an, if you have any cases that you can add to this trend of uh, espionage cases, I request you to please add to this
0: list. Yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, like, uh, thanks for mentioning uh, these many cases because even I was unaware mm. about some of the past cases that you mentioned, especially yeah. about the SpaceX and all. Uh, so yeah, yes. I would like to highlight uh, one of the recent cases which uh, happened. Uh, uh, firstly, about Canada. Mm. Uh, so I think that Chinese engineer he came as a student in Canada twenty years ago. Uh, I think then he became a Canadian citizen, uh, got settled, uh, started working for the Canadian Space Agency and for the past almost 15 years he was selling information uh, or providing information I would say not exactly selling mm-hmm. because it's a government to government thing. So he was supplying information to uh, people's Liberation Army, I think PLA. Wow. i mean their directorate or their uh, head offices i would say and it it was for 15 years and he was uh, caught uh, red handed uh, like last year i believe yeah i think last year in 2022 wow. so uh, so you know this this whole thing uh, has been so uh, i would say uh, can be labeled as negligence Of the agencies and and this is one of the reason why uh, the space industry needs to have a conversation in a much more mature manner than treating space as just you know space for humanity i agree that you know space applications this has they have some uh, of course a lot of humanitarian application as well Uh, but it's not 100 percent and yeah. when you know that the government and the military agencies are having control over the space assets, it is very critical. I mean, these days when I see a lot of youngsters stepping into the space industry, they they are absolutely unaware about the fact that there is a threat intelligence or there are insider threats. They are unaware about these terms firstly. Yeah. And yes. it is, so, you know, this is very important uh, that uh, I believe this topic should be integrated in academics, whether you're an aerospace engineer, whether you're a political science student, or maybe you come from a policy law or commerce background, if you are working towards uh, space uh, industry, I mean, I know the defense sector in their academic uh, models, uh, this uh, things are taught in bits and pieces at least. Uh, but for the space industry, I have never seen a course. I have seen course which are interdisciplinary and all, uh, but they don't have a single model on threat intelligence. And that's just so sad because uh, this is a politically charged industry. And I believe this will change only when uh, uh, the root level academic is uh, changed for the students or for the future leaders who are coming up. Uh, So, yeah, that's my thought, actually, uh, on Mm -hmm. this issue. And there there was, of course, one more case which recently happened Mm -hmm. uh, in Netherlands, uh, where a a Greek company, which had a subsidiary operating in Netherlands, uh, the company was specializing in earth observation solutions in the downstream market. Like, they Mm -hmm. didn't have the satellite, but they used to provide the satellite imagery services. Yeah. And the head of that company, uh, of their subsidiary in Netherlands, he was uh, caught while supplying information to Russia, and it seems uh, that same company was uh, the first runner-up in NATO's innovation fund competition mm-hmm. last year. And that's just mm-hmm. so sad. It's it's yeah. just so sad, actually, yes. uh, because you know, underneath NATO, if you're carrying out espionage activities for five years straight, and you still don't know what is happening. Yeah. I believe the investment in intelligence instruments is kind of vague. Yeah. Uh, Or possibly, uh, you know, there needs to be a good amount of revamp or thoroughly checking of the individuals. Uh, So, you know, I believe uh, this this will vary, of course, from government to government. Even India has a lot of infiltration on that level. Uh, We have seen, like, uh, the people from Indian uh, government's organization always have... A high level security in India, but they don't, they walk without security when they come come in other countries. Uh, yes. Uh, so I would say, even though, you know, even though having such a high level security, even if there, there are espionage cases, it means there needs to be a change in strategy. Mm-hmm. And I believe this will happen only when the government takes a deep dive into this discussion. And firstly, I would say, you know, because the uh, I, I'm not of a thought that you know the change begins with uh, the adults. I always believe that the change begins with the students. Yeah. Uh, because as a child, as a student, what you consume as a knowledge remains with you uh, till the long uh, term, I would say, a roadmap that you'll be living across the industry or surviving across the industry. Uh, so this these things should be integrated in academics. Uh, because you know when once you grow up get into the industry uh, it usually happen that if you if your interest doesn't grow uh, you don't really look at the topic actually yeah uh, but you know if it's there in the academics itself students will get an opportunity to know that okay this, these are also the things that which can be worked on in the industry and we'll have more perspectives then currently the thing is we don't have a lot of perspectives on this topic That is the reason, you know, uh, people are not willing to have a conversation in the industry. Uh, I mean, I know before I started this podcast, uh, people are a lot skeptical about even speaking about espionage in the space industry. Uh, uh, But I think, uh, I'm not saying that my podcast is the only one. There are a lot of, you know, espionage related podcasts. But specifically talking about espionage in the space industry or, you know, threat intelligence in the space industry. I believe a lot of people, at least around me, I'm not saying I don't know about uh, the whole space industry, but at least in the European ecosystem, which are the network that I share in this European space ecosystem, Mm. people have changed. They are now willing to talk. Uh, They are willing to converse about these issues. And, you know, because of this, people are getting aware, you know, uh, maybe in the processes, the kind of people they have to hire, the kind of information they have to share, and what level of information and how much to share with uh, when they're sharing with the uh, outside of the industry or even in the inside. So I believe these things are, will change only through educating uh, the industry, not by you know regulating. Mm-hmm. Uh, because regulations will of course uh, I would say uh, bring a lot of restrictions on commercialization and it will be a huge loss, both for private and government sector. So I believe educating and you know as i said integrating these things in academic studies uh, is is very much important so i mean like these are my i would say two cent thoughts (laughs) no i think
1: i completely agree with you because even like just the two cases you mentioned right now we have different lessons to take from them and each case has something new to teach us i feel like just having a dialogue about them will probably give us more ideas on how we should perceive the threats that are upcoming in the industry.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. yeah. And, uh, you know, just to take a little bit step ahead, I would say of uh, espionage. Yeah. Uh, so from, I would say from your experience and from your research, as you have uh, your topic of uh, thesis was militarization of space, mm-hmm. to what extent do you, space-based weapons of mass destruction factor into espionage activities related to hybrid warfare and how are they monitored or controlled?
1: Uh, Space-based weapons of mass destruction, we know uh, in principle we cannot have a WMD in space but that doesn't mean theoretically they don't exist and they factor into hybrid warfare perfectly because uh, placing a weapon of mass destruction is forbidden but earth to space uh, is possible right so I think that uh, yes. factor in hybrid warfare is going to be relevant and this would include nuclear chemical and biological weapons uh, and these will pose a unique set of challenges in terms of monitoring and also controlling them due to the um, potential that it has for the impact it will have on global security and stability. So tomorrow, if I find out that there are uh, Earth-to-space-based weapons of mass destruction that could target a, a whole constellation or that could target a satellite or that could target a space station, then the consequences of it or the geopolitical implications of that will change the game as we see today. Espionage activities related to space-based WMDs may involve gathering intelligence on the capabilities, intentions, and locations of these potential adversaries. Right, And uh, the development and deployment of such weapons can be concealed within uh, legitimate space programs, making it difficult for intelligence agencies to distinguish between what is a peaceful space exploration mission and what is a militarization of space and what is militarization for WMD purposes. Because uh, even militarization of space to a point is acceptable. And when we cannot draw a line between if i'm militarizing for my military space capabilities or if i'm militarizing for uh, placing uh, weapons against an adversary and that the the intelligence sorry the intention and the capabilities of these uh, wmds will will pose different kinds of risks as uh, the capabilities evolve monitoring and controlling space based wmds will involve definitely international agreements treaties and verification mechanisms and these verification mechanisms will be aimed at preventing the weaponization of outer space. The outer space treaty has prohibited WMDs, but like I already said, that it doesn't do enough to uh, stop the creation of them. Right. Yes. Additionally, there are arms controls agreements such as START, which also is uh, no longer in, in play. Uh, The verification and monitoring of space-based WMDs also rely on technical means such as satellite surveillance, remote sensing technologies, and on-site inspection capabilities. And all of these will require some form of um, intelligence gathering that may have a little bit of espionage. To get information. So nobody will outrightly tell us that, yes, we're working on these capabilities. We will have to find our own means to gather intelligence on this. And we have to expect that somebody else is keeping an eye and ear on our capabilities as well. And I think that's where espionage comes into play.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. If you find our podcast insightful, then please like, share and subscribe. See you in the next episode. Thank you.